0: Good morning and welcome to your daily Game Face. I'm Dr. Kimberly Lannan with Game Face Sport Consulting and we are in our fourth podcast. That's right. It's been a month. It's been a month. Yeah, I know. Almost a month really, but just yeah. counting. Yeah. Right. Good morning, Lou. It's a
1: long February. So Yeah. Good morning. Seems like more than a month. How are you? I'm all right so far.
0: Oh, are we <laughs> anticipating something today? Always. Are we threat generating already? <laughs> always,
1: yes. Yes, always.
0: <laughs> well, good yeah. thing I'm here. Um, so, I first of all, I want to thank so many people who have been... Uh, so kind, lovely and gracious People that I don't know and people that I do know Reaching out and saying how much they're enjoying the show And Excellent. offering thoughts on What topics they'd like to hear about And and just feedback in oh, general yeah? has been what really are, good
1: What do they want to hear about?
0: Um, well, people want to hear about what we're talking about today Which is we're going to talk about weight and exercise And the psychology behind it And and wherever that goes, um, mm-hmm. but people are asking about just kind of how to how to have a better life with you know use of um, their time, time management, um, balance, yeah. life balance. That's a big one that I've heard in the past week. A lot of you know I've got five things going, and what's the most important thing? And how do I make sure that the right thing gets the right amount of time, and yeah. and I don't get too stressed out? Um, stress seems to be a big theme, which is always. I mean,
1: now this is going to be a tough question for you because you're in a river like I am. Yeah. But it seems to me there's a lot more awareness of this now
0: oh absolutely people are
1: paying much more attention to this and
0: absolutely um and and it's and you know i mean we're a culture now that has for a variety of reasons and uh, been more exposed to um self-help i mean there's a it's a multi-billion dollar business in self-help books and self-help alternative remedies and people looking to benefit themselves in different ways whether it's yoga or something you know they go out to kripalu out in california or are here in massachusetts yeah, but
1: it's, it's not that though it's we've kind of evolved from the soccer mom self-help oh to yeah a more uh mindfulness a more a little sure. bit higher plane of this it's it feels like sure we're at mean, least attempting
0: right well over yeah. t- over time it's definitely improved there and also because like i was saying the stigma of looking for help has changed so dramatically. I mean, you know, 20 years ago, by and large, men didn't seek help like women did. And now it's starting to equalize a little bit more. Certainly um, women are more uh, likely to seek help Mm -hmm. first before men will. But uh, because of that, I think that that's come up more and more and more. Also, the fact that shows, you know, Oprah Winfrey, I mean, not that I'm getting paid for any plug on Oprah, but Oprah Winfrey brought a lot of this, you know, her Super Soul Sundays series where she has lots of people talking about all the different aspects of being your best self and your best life. And then, you know, you have people like Dr. Phil on and then you get people like Ayanla Van Sant coming on and people that have different pieces that are touching different parts of the cultures of American fabric that, uh, you know, people didn't do before. But now it's much more likely that people will watch and want to know and feel better. So the awareness comes up because it's there, but also the draw was there in the first place cuz people were looking for it.
1: It's funny you bring her up because I I may have seen 10 minutes of Oprah in her entire career. But or, the the guy on this the whole mindfulness end of it, the message that got through to me was through a book that she touted.
0: Eckhart Tolle
1: no, oh. no, Michael Singer.
0: Oh, Michael Singer, and yeah.
1: yeah. And it was, it wasn't even through her so much. I knew she was aware of it, but my uh, ex wife gave the book to my two kids. Okay. And I said, okay, well, she's putting this in front of my kids. I got to know what's going on. And I didn't care for the book that much, but then I started watching some of his videos. He did a couple talks at Berkeley.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. Uh, the Talks at Berkeley really hit home for me.
0: Yeah, and 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 so and it's and so it's people like that. I mean, sometimes you don't get it all in the book, but if you if you watch people like Michael Singer or Eckert Toley, or yeah. you get to see some of these people talk, it's just it changes the way you you see and think about things. Yeah. And if you don't have, you know, I think we talked about this last week or the week before that if you don't have someone who gives you an alternative thought and you're only thinking about what you've always known and you don't see yep. anything outside of it and you don't have the exposure range that's you know that's what I call it yep. then you're never going to be able or you're more unlikely to find that but now all of a sudden you know your wife your ex-wife puts that in front of your kids then you're exposed now you're more likely yep. and i mean that's kind of the well it's uh,
1: for me it was spinning the wheel because all of these people are saying basically the same thing sure and all everything that we've relied on all our lives going back to, um, I was raised Catholic. Right. These are all the same principles. It's just a matter of getting in front of somebody who puts it in a way that you can use. it.
0: Right. if It's, it's all based on perspective and, and your perception yeah. and what meaning you make of it. So if it makes sense to you, then all of a sudden yeah. it's going to register. But and some
1: people you don't hear... And then you come across the person, we hear it, and go, oh, oh. that's what we're talking about. Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. And it's funny, because I'll have clients come in for years and years and years, and I'll have said something for years and years and years, and yeah. all of a sudden, it, yeah. they go, you know when you said this thing? And I'm like, yeah, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and But you know, they no, have to it's come to it on their own because too. something yeah. has happened that they were ready for it. Right. I, I consider it when you're ready. I think the messages are there. It's just when the person's really... Not in that contemplative stage or pre-contemplative change stage that now they're saying, oh... Now I get it. Now I'm ready.
1: Oh, that's discouraging. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because no, no. I'm trying to save my kids 40 years, and it's like you know, try to get this now. Try to get some of this now. But that goes to the exposure yeah. range. Yeah. So
0: you're not ready unless the exposure range has been right. available to you. So if you if you keep exposing your kids, you know, and this could be for any one of my listeners too, if you keep exposing your young kids, like really, you know, coming up even when they're eight, nine, ten, to good mindfulness practices and being aware of your own thoughts and feelings and how they impact your life and body and mind and all. Right that you're setting them up for a better adult life healthier happier balance looking for that best life right as a kid so that you know i mean i grew up in the era of you know oh you're 10 what what stress do you have oh you're 15 what stress do you have but there were stresses and now when when i hear a parent say that which isn't isn't that often but i do hear it Mm -hmm. um I often will just do a list, you know, say, well, actually, and that doesn't make them have an excuse for poor behavior. If that's what we're talking about, but it's still, it's still there. So, um, but so, so having people out in the world now, um talking about it more, making it more available, I think, to people um in a much different way. You know talking about spirituality is is very different than you were just mentioning yeah. you know your religion. Religion is not the same thing as talking about spirituality, but it has that same basic tenet of just being, you know, having good, strong moral integrity, peace of mind, and whatever that yeah. makes, is made A meaningful. lot of the tools
1: are there. I mean, there are,
0: right.
1: I can only speak for Catholics, there are, there are some alter- ulterior motives and all that stuff going on, but a lot of the principles they use, you know, the tools are there, the Right. basic tools. Right. You know, they're clothed and other stuff, of course, but still. works for some people.
0: Right. And when you, so when you strip away religion from the topic of just being, you know, having your best life and living, you know, you, you know, in that balance, take the religion away and you just say, okay, what's the energy that drives you? All that basic principle is underneath there being, you know, strong, strong of mind, strong of integrity, strong of honesty, you know, all those pieces of you that, that ego we talked about last week, the strength of the ego gets built and, and, and it gets protected by more and more information. It, the more the person has to reach for, to draw on for yeah. experience, the better.
1: But even some of the basic tools. I yeah. Mean, prayer is, prayer is meditation. Right. In a way. Yes. It's it's shutting down the noise floor. It's 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 getting out of the, it's getting getting out of the windstorm of your thoughts. Right. And getting into another place and, and being able to do that and church on Sunday. And again, I can only speak. Catholicism, because that's how I was raised. Church on Sunday is um, being in the moment, right? You know, it's it's the basic tool, right? Again, it's clothing, other stuff. But if you have those skills down, those are some of the most important things.
0: And so speak, so to speak to that, the f- people having faith. Now, when I talk to clients, you know, I keep it very neutral in terms of religion because there's so many people that practice so many different things. But it's the faith that a person has. Do they put it into whatever they put it into, a higher energy, a higher power, right. um, earth, you know, mother nature, a being, a god, whatever. It's a matter of... Getting to that meditative state where they feel like they're present here and now, here and yeah. now, and grounded to the moment, so that they're not doing the future casting, the catastrophizing, the awfulizing, right. the worry, 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 which you know, and in, in my experience over the 24 years I've been doing this, um, I, I see a lot of um, you know religion and in, in, in general often will give, like you've spoken about, a little bit of that extra stigma or that yeah. worry. St- to the person's being, where if you strip that all away and just go with, you know, being a good person to start and not worrying about that stuff, it gives a person a, a nice base to start with. Right,
1: and the end lesson, the higher power thing you talked about is exactly what we're trying to achieve, but not in the, uh, again, I'll only speak Catholic, the Catholic context of a god the idea for us is to get outside of our mind get right. understand the threat generation understand you know the monkey mind or the reptile brain right. whatever you want to call it and understand that's not you that's not what's going on that's right. that's an organ uh trying to do its job
0: right and yeah. and and when you when you're strengthening the higher
1: power for catholics is god right yeah
0: but so the way i look at it with clients is the higher power that you reach for is you have to look within yourself first to find out what faith you can have in yourself first. And a lot of a lot of my clients, especially people who've been in addiction or who are trying to be out of addiction, don't find that faith in themselves. Or yeah. you know, people with we're going to talk today about weight and and, yeah. and and it rolls sort of right into that is people don't have the faith in themselves and then they look to other things to get the connection to get what they need, whether it's food, um, you know, gambling, sex, drugs, alcohol, shopping, um, whatever the ism will be, it will fill because that becomes their faith. It's what they're looking for to fill the void instead of looking within oneself to say, where can I draw strength from? Because people don't believe they have that. So they look outside.
1: The thing they believe in is that uh, it's the difference between I'm worried and I feel worried. Right. It's the difference. Everyone thinks they are what they feel and what they think. Right. They aren't what they feel and what they think. And getting that separation is state the first step. State of being
0: step. versus who they are. Yeah. It's I am I am in a state of this versus I am this person.
1: Yeah. I'm worried. I feel worried. Why do you feel worried? Right. Oh, because this is a threat. Right. It's like, okay, well, is it real? Right. You know, and having that intellect to have that conversation above just I'm worried.
0: Right. Yeah. Because I am, once you put I am... Right. It turns it into something totally different. I am, you know, I am a female. You are a male. Yes, we know that. But I am not all these other things because those are just things that fluctuate. You know, I'm worried. Well, I have something to worry about. You, you change the language around. Are we around.
1: male and female, though, or? You what? Is, are we male and female or is our body male and female
0: well our bodies are male and female right yeah. so if you get down to the actual you know the basics of that and what you identify as sure and, yeah. you know, and that in that semantic changes the way things are and also we're socially we're socially maneuvered yeah. into these positions of what we are and what that means right so our our bodies are a certain way but yes that does that mean that we're actually that you know i mean if you're a female identified body-wise as that, and then you, you know, little kids play with trucks that a girl identified, and well, that's yeah. not a good thing. Or little boys identified are playing with baby dolls. Why is that a bad thing? But it's because the socialized piece of it is is sitting on top of it, and then it makes it who we are.
1: All right, let's talk about weight loss. Okay, because yes. I think weight loss is a really great place to start. I don't think it's a coincidence in my life that I started to put things together after I lost 40 pounds.
0: Oh, there you go. Because the
1: skill set you need to lose weight, the skill set you develop to lose weight, the, um, it's the difference between I am overweight or whether you have control over it. It's taking control over it. And that's, that's a big thing. Cause right. That's a huge part in all of this, understanding that you have control of a situation. You have choices. And you have control,
0: right? And and okay, so the so it's, there's so many pieces to talk about. Yeah. Wait, we could probably do multiple thousands of shows on this. Um, so but control, let's we can start there. So control, you know. So if we look at people who have obesity issues, or we look at people who have you know um, anorexia or bulimia, you know, when you're restricting or you're binging and purging, right? Um, you know, or if you have just a poor relationship with food because you use it for the wrong reasons, right? So that's all basically in an effort to get control of your life, no matter what. On that continuum, when you look at people's eating, um, people are trying to strive for control. And if you look at, I always look at little kids when they have no other control in their life because their parents are telling them to do things, their teachers are telling them to do things, they they can, can't come and go as they please, really. They, the only sense of control that little kids really have, and we, even as adults, have is what we end up choosing to eat or not eat. Yep. I mean... At the end of the day, if someone says eat this and you don't want it, you say no. Or <laughs> right. you know, you can go you know into your bedroom at night and eat the bag of Doritos, yep. or you can eat the Twinkies, or all that stuff because we have those we have that control. But we do those things either restricting or over the top. We'll use the extremes, um, going over the top because we're having an emotional loss of control mm-hmm. in some way or another for a variety of reasons, right. much like what I talked about in the last podcast about um, the self-esteem ego piece that's fractured in many ways. The more fractured your ego is, that reality set, then whether it's trauma, neglect, feeling abandoned, attachment issues, um, you know, you know, adoption, people who have adopt, been adopted have some of these issues, um... Sexual molestation in kids that turn into adults with issues with eating disorders, you know, all these kinds of things. Those fractures in the ego make a person feel out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, Overbearing parents, if we look at, like, you know, helicopter parents, you know, they make make for little kids that have eating disorders many times that are not even disorders, but they're the starts of them because, you know, the kid can only get their sense of control from either... Eating or hiding or sneaking food or right. not eating at all yeah, because that's where they have it. So I see a lot of, so I do see a lot of eating disordered people on the whole range, either over the top in obesity or, you know, going to the yep. restrictive side. And it always starts at the base that, you know, the why is what are you trying to get control over? So we strip it all back to figure out, okay, what is feeling out of control and not talking about the food or the process of that? We just go to what's out of control. And there's so many things. Sure you know, um, and and just depends on the context. If it's an athlete, you know, I have see gymnasts and ice skaters and swimmers and tennis players, you know, the individual really high-intensity sports at a higher end, but even at the recreational level, I see kids, you know, and young adults that have eating disorders that have been going on for a period of time because they don't feel like they have control, but that's where they get it, right? So that sense of... And and you don't get taught that, that it's, you know, don't eat that. That's bad for you. Yeah. So as soon as someone <clears throat> says, don't eat that, that's bad for you. As a little kid, well, the little kid's going to say, okay, I won't, or they're going to sneak it, or they're going to hide it, and then they're, you know, they're going to find control. Well, so
1: the issue that, for me was I was young, and my metabolism was flying, and yeah. I could do anything I wanted to do. Right. And then you start to get older, and that's no longer the case, and you don't make the adjustment. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. So, okay. So now, so we just take, that's a very common and it, so experience. If the people, lack of
1: control for me was I would look at my being overweight and saying, well, um, I'm in my 50s. I've earned it. And <laughs> I kind of turned it into a prize. It's like, as if I had no control over it.
0: So that's really interesting. I had a conversation with a client yesterday about reward, yes. about when they come home from the gym they reward themselves with yeah. a variety. so either they yeah. reward themselves with having a beverage yeah. right and, and that's you know beer or vodka or whatever or they reward themselves with they'll have a piece of cake or yeah. but it's every day yeah so it's the i deserve it i've earned it i've right but yeah. it's countering what you've just done for yeah. in that particular case so with you it's I've like i've done
1: it we, on occasion but not every day
0: well but people do you know it's like oh i've earned it or
1: some days i'll do the extra mile to have the slice of pizza Right. Yeah.
0: And and that and that's totally fine. There's no, yeah. you know, people who say, "Oh, it's a cheat day." Okay, well, when it's a cheat day every day, that becomes a problem or you're justifying, "Well, I didn't have french fries this week, but I'm having them today." But yesterday you had pizza and the day yeah. before you had <laughs> it, it, you know, because people are you know, they're very good at finding ways to justify and make excuses for it. This is okay. I went I walked five miles today. you know, I put my twenty thousand steps in or my thirty thousand steps in on my Fitbit, so therefore I can.. Yep. And it's like, well, yeah, but you didn't take into consideration that yesterday you you had this, this, and this. Right. And, and so people just justify because they want it. And I think you and I, after last week, we were talking a little bit about one of the techniques I use is when people are eating or when people want to eat um, I always ask them are they hungry angry lonely or tired yeah right so yeah. that's my technique is called the halt technique h a l t hungry angry lonely tired and angry by the way on the continuum of being agitated upset hurt frustrated irritated anything that falls in that range and Boy. it does not just anger it's yeah. it's anything on that continuum lonely obviously and tired um you know if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you need to be able to identify when you go to eat something, is it out of any of those things? Because if it's not out of truly being hungry, which is that that signal that's sending to your body that I'm hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you're likely going to feel More likely you're going to eat stuff that's not good for you. You're going to pick impulsive choices that are not good for you. You're definitely going to the emotional eating or the binging, purging, and or restriction. You know, you'll have a little piece and then you won't eat for a day, you know, in that case. But it's the hungry, angry, lonely, tired technique is so important for people just out of the gate if nothing else is learned from anything else I say today is, hey, if you're able to look at yourself and go, oh, I shouldn't eat right now. doesn't mean you can't have it, but right at this very second when I'm feeling... Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I need to hold a little bit and right. really kind of let this feeling pass like a craving because usually it will pass and then you have to do something with it. I mean, there's lots of techniques that go with well, that, but it's a is... sense to get control. When someone's angry, lonely, or tired, what do they do? They fill their boredom, they fill their sadness, they yep. fill the void, and then, oh, that feels good. And then, as soon as it's over, 20 minutes later, Yep. They're still lonely or they're still tired or they're still whatever.
1: That's why this is so important because this is the basic skill set because right. your mind is telling you you're hungry. Right. You should eat. Your mind is telling you should eat. Right. And having the skill to be able to step back from that and say, well, I'm, I'm not hungry. Right. I just feel feel hungry. Why do I feel hungry? I just ate 20 minutes ago.
0: Because you've trained it. So your mind is telling you. So in these cases, when it's, so let's consider the, we're we're talking disordered eating essentially, right? So if we're, you know, bad relationship with food eating, um, your mind, you train your mind, you train a little piece of your mind called the um, hypothalamus. You train that into Mm -hmm. turning off and on like a light switch. So when your body knows that it's hungry, it turns on. Normal, right? And it turns off when you're full, normal. Now we go to the rest of the world, not normal, right? Or not healthy. We go to, we train it, we overeat. That means we keep that light switch on. We keep the hypothalamus moving, 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 moving. And then we automatically turn it off when we decide that it's done. So now the hypothalamus doesn't know if it's on or off or it should be on or off. And eventually, so if we're overeating and you have like obesity issues or you're overweight, you're overtraining your um, hypothalamus to keep it on. So you're you're always hungry. It's always sending a signal that you're hungry. So as soon as 20 minutes passes... You're, if you're lonely, for instance, or you're tired, it's going to keep on because you're just going to keep filling it. Now, if you're going the other direction, right, In you're an anorexic or your person who's a restrictor, you're going to train it to stay off. So you never actually get hungry, but you eat out of necessity because you've trained it to stay off. So when yeah. you do eat a little bit, you're full quickly because yeah. it trains the signals in the body to say, I'm done. Whereas the other side trains it to say, I'm not done. Hmm. So one is full and one is empty, right? right? Very metaphor based for the person, how they feel. They're either very full or very empty, oh, interesting. right? Yeah. But not full as in like, I'm full of life and everything. They're full of like stuffed emotion. They're full of sadness. They're, stress. Yeah. Right. Stress, yeah. whatever it is. So people in those poor relationship with food stages sit in that with the hypothalamus just all confused, and it's just such an important structure because the hypothalamus controls your eating, your drinking, your sleeping, your regulation of your sex drive, and when you look at people who have mood dysregulation or they're anxious people and they're overweight or they're really underweight, but more I see more people who are overweight looking for assistance, um, they have such filled up sadness and filled up spaces of, of, you know, empty void. But they don't ever acknowledge that. It's just, oh, I don't know why I eat. I don't. And it's so easy for me when I take fifteen, twenty minutes to talk to them about, yeah, you're you turn thirty and you can't eat it like you used to. And now you're doubling up on what you're eating. and it's and for many people, it's just because their metabolism has changed because they've gotten older, and yeah. you know, and you have some weight pop on. But by and large, people that I see and the psychological piece of this is people have have had, baggage and fractures in that ego that have come along with that they've yep. never addressed and now here they are at 300 400 500 pounds and they don't know why they're there
1: all right so i have two questions yes. you can choose which one
0: good i'm gonna have a sip of my <laughs> coffee while you're doing that how
1: do we train the hypothalamus or how do we disconnect eating from emotion eating from our other emotional
0: issues so it goes back so the first is that your first question I, that's two questions you okay. can take them
1: in any order you think okay. is appropriate
0: um <clears throat> so so the halt technique, that's, so that's an awareness technique. Awareness is always key in anything you do yes. psychologically for mind-body work. Yep. So if you have an awareness of where you are on that scale, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and you can identify that, and you're angry, lonely, or tired, right there is your first step in saying, I shouldn't eat right now. That will train your hypothalamus to come back into its norm on some level. Now, I'm oversimplifying this because sure. it's really dependent on each case, each person, and multiple other things. Is there is there a diabetes issue? Is there a cardiovascular issue? And all that stuff. And right. taking into account other things. But just at the base generalized, right, is that the hypothalamus can be retrained, just like you've trained it to be this way, that... When you're lonely, for instance, which I see a lot of, right? We'll we'll go with loneliness. People eat out of sadness. So what do you do? As soon as you're aware that you're going to eat because you're lonely, because you know you are, what's the distractor? What can we fill that space with instead of that? And it's not hand-to-mouth because the habituation here. So is it, um, you know, some people I say go for a five-minute walk, Um, you know, journal, Um, anything, you know, that is indicative of something that will fill them in the moment, call a friend. Something that gives them a sense of letting go of whatever that feeling is in the moment and then i say after that has happened and they've done the five minute or ten minute extractor are they still lonely if they are then they're more likely going to eat but you've given a little bit of a break to the quick impulsive i'm going to just eat to fill the space right that's how it starts so t- I think that sort of answers yeah.
1: both questions. Yeah, because they're inter- I didn't yeah. realize how interrelated they yeah. are. So yeah, that's that's important. So the
0: hypothalamus is really important, and I mean, and I hate to be but technical, but in this but game,
1: think- and you've talked about it. In this game, people don't understand that connection. So awareness of that connection is a really key first step.
0: Yeah, and, and I think so. You know, I was just going to say that so many, um, so many of my clients appreciate, and at least they've told me, they appreciate the fact that you know, as a doctor, I give them information that's technical to explain this so that they have a visual or they have some kind of way of really seeing, you know, at least mentally how the process works and how they're both connected. Whereas, you know, you go into another doctor's office, not to say anything bad about anyone else, but they'll say you need to lose weight or you need to stop eating so much. People don't, if you don't have enough context of why you're doing what you're doing and understanding it, there's no motivation or it's like, I don't, yeah. have, it's that I don't have control. It's too overwhelming. It's too much for me. Forget it, you know.
1: Well, your and, GP's got three minutes with you. It, so, yeah. So it's it's a weight and a height and it's like, you need to lose weight. Right. A weight, a, weight, a height, and an age and you need to lose weight.
0: Right. But, and I'm not a big, and I'm not a big proponent of the BMI index, you know, as a, as a, overarching umbrella perfect scale for everybody because i mean if you're an athlete that changes things if you're a person with a diabetic issue it changes things you know so yeah it's a nice general rule of thumb and you can have a standard scale but i have people come in my office and so i was just saying this to a class last week people will send me someone and say they need to have some stress reduction because they're overweight and we need to help them lose weight please put them on a weight loss program and, and help guide them Okay, so in my head, when I used to do this in the beginning, I used to think I'm going to get this enormous, massively, you know, seven thousand pound person, and they'd come in and I'd be like, "What's going on?" Yeah, <laughs> because overweight or obese, in my mind, yeah, versus uh, I'm looking at the person going, "Where is this weight?" You know, and so I stopped getting those reports i say okay just send the person don't tell me about them because i don't want that bias which is what i do for everybody i see i don't want to know prior because it gives me that thought that they're coming in and they're really not so i look at the person i take the whole person what their activity level is what do they eat what do they not eat um how they feel about themselves all those things and then then i look at their number of their weight and i say okay Let's do a pound at a time, and let's see how you feel. Yeah, You know, the number on the scale, you know, we've gotten so... We're going a little another, bit away from that number on the scale, but we Another we're,
1: hugely important skill set in weight loss that you can carry over to the, to the other work that you do. Right. This baby step type concept. It's right. Like you don't sit there, go, i got to lose 40 pounds. Go, all right, let's lose a couple. Right. Yeah. You know, right. Let's, let's get it rolling.
0: Right. And, and when you have people... I mean, the way I see people... I keep hitting my mic today, but when I see people, I often see... It's the weight issue is the thing that's going to be the symptom of the problem. And right. it's just treating like, you know, what, let's let's just change one thing this week. Let's let's do a five minute walk when the person hasn't been doing anything at all. Right. Or let's see if we can, you know, instead of it being the focus on the number on the scale, you know, I have I have one client that weighs herself multiple times a day. Yeah. And I'm like, we're going to stop that, of course. You have to do that slowly because when I say stop it in the office alone, she starts having anxiety, thinking that she can't weigh herself. Like, yeah. see, so, I mean, that's such a big thing for people that yeah. that you know the measurement or you know how your just to say, hey, Lou, how does your body feel in your clothes? And let's use that as a measure. That is such a foreign concept to people because that's not how people think. Yeah, you know, oh, you know, they look at the size on the on the clothing and it says large. And then in their head is, oh, they have to be, I have to be a zero, you know. Yeah. And,
1: uh, well, it's a different concept for athletes than it is for people. Oh, gosh, um, yeah. When I was younger and playing hockey, I remember a coach told me, come in 20 pounds heavier next fall. Well, don't come in. Yeah. And it's like I couldn't put the 20 pounds on. I just couldn't do it. Right. Because I was young and my metabolism was flying and I was active. Right. You know, but that there's a number with an athlete for weight and that's important to them. And they're right. very goal-oriented anyway and they're very, they're very... Oriented to its quantification. Right. They want a number. Right. There's a score. i got to make a right. score, whether it's weight. People like in everyday life. Wrestlers
0: have to make weight. Yeah. Boxers have to make weight. Right. Right. But,
1: but they judge, all athletes judge success or failure by, well, judging success and failure, putting it on that scale, imagine that, <laughs> uh, success and failure by uh, a number. It's like, i got to be this way or i got to be that way. Right, because
0: everything's quantified.
1: People at home, they get that BMI index or they look up on the Internet, well, I'm 5'10", what should I weigh? Right. And that number becomes very important to them, and that's not always the main goal. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, so, so, yeah, if you have someone that's 5'10", and they're 10 pounds over on their BMI that is the standard, what's supposed to be, and, you know, they've never done exercise in their life and they have context of you know who knows what else you have to take all those things into consideration because yeah. well maybe maybe they're not going to be able to drop the 10 pounds or maybe that's not the goal is to drop the 10 pounds it's maybe just to get them working out to have them have a better cardiovascular system or just a better way of breathing or, or
1: to help their mood or physical their, activity right. is is a huge component of this. right
0: so on that, on that other side, when people don't come in for the weight loss, which, right, which yeah. obviously I have plenty of people come in for that. And, and athletes, <clears throat> um, usually I don't have this issue with athletes, but the number one remedy for mood regulation and disorders, depression, anxiety, even regulation of bipolar disorder, ADHD, without medication, you know, obviously some things are helped with medication, not fixed, but helped, is exercise. P, but it's exercise is not a quick fix, but exercise regulates every single chemical in the body that every medication's geared for to help those things by doing it naturally. Yep. But people don't want to put the effort in. It takes too long.
1: Well, stop using the exercise word. <laughs> Use the activity word.
0: Right. So, yeah. yeah. So using, you have to get moving. There has to be more activity. You have, you know, it, you know, if you're taking the elevator at work and you have a set of stairs, just take the set of stairs, encouraging different changes in behavior as opposed to exercise. Because as soon as you say exercise, yeah. people go, oh, God, I have to go to the gym and it's going to be an hour long and I've got to be yeah. doing this and that. And, and you know. Take a walk. Right.
1: It's that, a basic skill. Just take a walk. Right.
0: But people don't do that because... Yeah. By the complacent. way, you'll like it, first of all. The what? You'll like it. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 you know, people do not, people don't have the motivation. You know, you get the people that say, well, but I can't even get to do that. And, but they're still in the mindset that it has to be a long walk as opposed right. to, I'll just look at someone sometimes and say, get up off the couch, go to the mailbox and come back. Do that five days in a row, and let's see what that takes you. As yeah. simple as that sounds, that's actually reality for a lot of people I yeah. see. No. Like, just get up yeah. and go. You know, their their lifestyle is go to work, sit all day, come back from work. Don't really, you know, they might have a few little errands, but not really anything other than, like, grocery store or whatever. They come back, and they sit on the couch watching TV, sitting on their computer playing video games. You know, they might make dinner, or they might, you know, their wife or, or a husband's making dinner or whatever. And they're right back to the couch, and then they go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then people say well I don't understand and most people don't say I don't understand cuz they do get it but it's like I can't lose weight. I've I've changed the way I'm eating. If you're eating 7000 calories and you're still sitting, your mood is still going to be down, you're going to be down about the fact that you haven't dropped anything if you go from 7000 to 5000 yeah. calories you're still sitting. So, well
1: I'll it, tell you what I ran into. It, the big when you're not into it big time. In other words, you haven't done a lot of weight loss work, and you just decide, I need to lose some pounds. Right. And everyone's got the internet. They've got their laptop. They've got right. their phone. And they start searching. And you, get, uh, you ask 10 different people. You get 15 different stories yeah. of how to do this. Right. And it gets confusing, and it gets frustrating right, right away. You don't know if you're doing the right thing. And so really, you have to simplify it because it's the basics of it are really easy. Right. Okay. Especially at the beginning.
0: Especially, well, so general rule of thumb is I always, it, when people, just to revamp everything, like right out of the gate, I always say to make your mental health better right out of the gate, get rid of everything that has, that's in a bag or a box. Yeah. Right? Yep. Purge, purge, that's the that's a good purge. Get rid of anything that's processed, anything in your house that's going to give you something that's, and it's convenient and I get that and all that, but by and large, you're going to have, so much better mental health and physical health if you just get rid of all the stuff you're eating and those things right and I have clients that absolutely do that. If
1: it can be microwaved,
0: and it shouldn't it can, be in the house. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Unless it's a bag of frozen vegetables, right? Yeah. Or, you know, I have people that have, you know, I have a couple of clients that still kind of old school, eat stuff out of the canned veggies and all that. Yeah. It's packed in salt, packed in water, packed yeah. and preserved. It's just, ugh, it's not good for you, right? Yeah. And that's not to say that we all don't have our things, because certainly I have some of my little occasional things. But if you're eating them all the time and that's your standard, it's yeah. not, not going to get you. So you start with... Right. The basics, things that you have control over. Right. Yeah. So I have control I keep over stuff get- out
1: of the house. I mean, I, this stuff that I don't want around. Right. Because you, you do get impulsive. Even, yeah. even if you've been doing it for a while, you and just get impulsive. And it's there. Yeah.
0: And if you have a, a, a tray of raspberries versus a, a tray of raspberry cookies. You will eat the raspberries if there's something you like and you're not gonna have, you know, the impulsivity to go get the bag of cookies at seven, you know, thirty at night if you've been in all day and yeah. you know, that's just not what's gonna happen. But but people don't do that. They have their impulse buys and it's just a treat, but the treat goes every week and you're back at the store buying the next bag of something. Right? So getting rid of getting rid of anything processed that you can yep. and then and then making just small little adjustments here and there well, as you go
1: let me challenge you on the first step and see if you use this technique as okay. well because you talked about how important awareness is mm-hmm. and this works financially it works for weight loss, it works for any issues you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Awareness is extremely key. Start tracking what you're eating.
0: Yes, for, so for so just, for some people... Just
1: understand what you're eating.
0: Yes, for some people it's such a great technique because yeah. you don't realize um, how much... I mean women when women for losing weight need to eat 1500 calories or less men have to eat 2000 calories or less by and large if we just look at the general you know if we just be generalized right if you look at the average american eater people are eating upwards of three to four to five thousand calories before they even get to noontime no yes no one's eating that many calories you're looking at you're looking at someone has a muffin i won't you know a, a muffin in the morning or they're having a muffin coffee and a banana we're, from particular places, we're already at 1,100 calories. Yep. Right? Yep. <laughs> by, by lunch, now we're having, you know, people that, you know, generally eat the norm, would will take the norm, right, the standard. Um, they have a salad, maybe, with then a sandwich with all the stuff on it, the condiments, the cheese, the, you know, the bread and all that stuff, plus yep. potato chips, plus the pickle and plus whatever, right? And that's just a kind of standard lunch. It's, Now we're at, like, 3,500. Yeah. You go to McDonald's or any fast food, right? You you eat, you know, anything but a salad. You're already at 2,100 calories if you eat just the regular Big Mac meal with the French fries and all that stuff. Forget
1: fast food. You go to a Chili's or 99, which I don't anymore, but you go to a Chili's or 99, they have the calories listed. You can buy a meal of 1,200 calories just easy. And it, it really, to me, I look at it, I go, Oh my God, I can't eat that 1200 so, calories.
0: Well, so, so I it can't just, eat till next Tuesday. Well, the, <laughs> So, you know, the, the famous blooming onion, you know, not to pick on the blooming onion because I know people love it, but, um, I had this conversation a few weeks ago with someone, but Dr. Oz had a great show on some of this, you know, about a month or two back, but the blooming onion has, I think, I'm going to say 1600 or 1700 calories as an appetizer, before you even get out of the gate. And that's what you're starting with. And, and it's you're a vegetable. It with, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah. you, and that's a dinner time. I mean, sometimes people yeah. eat it for lunch. But now you have that plus your dinner. You're at another three, 4,000 calories. Oh, and then you're going to go home within an hour or two and go to bed and yeah. lay on it. Yeah. And then you wonder why you feel blah. Yeah. Right? I mean, food and Food and overeating of food and over-calorie intake is such a mood dysregulator. It adds to anxiety. It adds to depression, blah, the blues, you know, just feeling overwhelmed because your body is just expands and just kind of you don't know what to do with it. So it's very overwhelming for people um, to do that. But hopefully people will, you know, I think the trend has been much more that people aren't eating as many calories, but certainly, I mean.
1: Get a get a there are several free apps for your phone, yes, and just and they get really easy as you start to log and it knows your frequent choices and things like that. And just be aware because you know, just think about just finding out your coffee at Starbucks, right? By the way, just finding out what the calories are and understanding you do it 7 times a week, 8 times a week. Right. It's like holy cow.
0: Well, so it so like you said about the finances, if you add up how much you spend on Off. on 7 days a week of a coffee at your favorite coffee shop, right? Yeah. And then you add up the calories and it's not just your like I drink just a standard cup of coffee with nothing in it, so there's, you know, but you add up the calories of your, you know, your macchiato, latte, fudge yeah. mocha, <laughs> drizzle caramel, whatever, you're like Almost a thousand calories. Oh, and then adding your muffin, which is another six hundred. Yeah,
1: you just drank a thousand calories. Right. I just. It's right. Yeah. See, it's at this point in my life, it seems unreasonable to me. It's like God, there's no way I would do that. But
0: no, see, but and nobody I to the point thinks where... about that. Nobody's thinking about that. And then afterwards, you know, you know, you say, people will say, well, it was just a coffee. It's not just a coffee. It's a sugar-packed yeah. drink of a little teeny bit of coffee. Yeah. With Sugared milk and sugared, sugared, sugared stuff and fat and and it's nothing.
1: I had the dual diagnosis of finance and and weight. Just my Dunkin' Donuts intake and I love Dunkin' Donuts yeah. and it was just a tea, but it had milk and sugar in it. Right. And I got the calories and I I'm spending 120 bucks a month. Yep. At Dunkin' Donuts, what are you kidding me? Yeah. Sudden, and then you add
0: up your your money. And then you, and you add, your add calories up the calories. Going, oh my God.
1: Yeah. And so you know now I'm buying packets of tea, and I found a tea that I can drink without milk and sugar yeah. that has some taste to it. Right. So like I'm saving all those I'm saving all that money, but I'm saving all those calories. Right. And it's just like, and I don't feel this is the other key with the weight loss. By the way, you can't get yourself in a situation where you feel deprived. It's, right. You have to create a program that you can sustain.
0: Right, and so and no so, dieting. So, and that goes to yeah. There's never I can't have. So the right. way I have with my patients and my clients is it's never I can't have. It's I'm going to have that, and therefore later I'm not going to have this. Right? So it's about choices. It's about making a good choice versus a less healthy choice. You can have unhealthy choices. That's okay. It's a matter of not doing them all the time. And by all the time, that means not every day. I mean, that's what I was back at the beginning. I was saying people, I see people who struggle with weight all the time, and they're like, well, it's Christmas. It's Thanksgiving. It's your birthday. It's Friday. Yeah. It's Sunday. It well, I every day just, has a day that ends in Y, and it doesn't mean yeah. that you should be eating all of that stuff all the time because it's not going it's counterproductive to what your body really needs and wants and you've just the people that are doing that have just trained it to do that. Yep. And then they, they go, I don't feel good. Right. Because I think I told
1: you last week my, doing that. when people ask me how I lost weight, my diet strategy is I don't eat stupid 100% of the time.
0: I know, I love you that.
1: Know, I eat stupid sometimes. Right. But, you know, it's it,
0: right occasionally. Right. And so going to balance, if you're exercising or having activity that's not just getting up to go to the bathroom and coming back. Right. And not going, you know, out to the mailbox only and coming back. If you're having activity 20, 30 minutes a day just to start and you're making some food choice changes you're automatically going to start having some movement in the chemicals in your body that that hypothalamus and all the other right. pieces produce that make your you know, serotonin and all the stuff that people take Zoloft and Prozac and Lyrica and all those things for. The exercise and the movement of the food actually helps that before you even have to take any medication like that because you're starting right. to move the levels and people just don't understand the science behind that. So one of the benefits of coming to see me is I explain all that typically to clients to, to un, have them understand it at their, where they're at and what's happening. Like when they eat something, I'll take something specific and say, when you eat that, this is what happens when you, when you, what happens to your, your mentality, what happens to your mood? And, mm-hmm. and you know, if it's caffeine, if it's sugar, if it's marijuana, if it's whatever you're putting in your body, how does it change your diet? How does it move, move your mood? Um, um, and I, I find that the more oh, knowledge you the, can't do
1: marijuana. If the way? If you're losing weight, you can't do marijuana because well, the munchies are real.
0: <laughs> but so it's interesting. Yeah. So um, I don't know how much you've read about it, but um, there's a lot of um, new strains of medical marijuana that have come yeah. out in the new dispensaries, and of course imagine, Massachusetts, yeah. right? Yep. But they've they've actually been able to move a lot of that piece, you know, kind of take away street marijuana, right? But just moving the chemical compounds around and making different types which I won't go into now obviously yeah. but different types of of marijuana that that doesn't have that issue oh, good. If, you're, <laughs> if you're if you if you are um, a non THC so you're not having the the high or the or the hallucinogenic effect or right. anything else from it if you're just taking can you know the cannabidiol the CBD part part of the hemp plant that actually is right. we know that it has um, weight loss um, factors to it, so people, because it, it's a it's a inflama- anti-inflammatory, which is why there's so many new creams and tinctures and all that, because it's proven over thousands of years that when you take cannabidiol we have the actual receptors in the body just like the ones for mood but we have this those cbd receptors in our body cbd1 and cbd2 one is for the thc receptor and then when you don't have thc the other one's available to you so that it's an anti-inflammatory so when you put it on your skin when you ingest it it actually takes the the um inflammatory areas of your body down so people are using it for like neuropathy for nerve ending issues for you know Mm -hmm. bloating all those things because there's actually a piece of that plant in the hemp plant that actually does that so medical marijuana has been able to tap into that and able to get some of that piece in there so that people don't end up with that traditional you know the 1970s munchy, (laughs) munchy run right so 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 people don't gain the weight in that way Um, they also don't have the mood you know, there's there's a couple different types they don't have the mood dysregulation that they used to I'm not a big fan of giving um, the recommendation for that type of thing for people with anxiety typically um, THC based anything makes anxiety worse yeah now they'll tell you that no 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 we've reformulated yeah in my anecdotal, professional practice, I've not had one person that has severe anxiety. Mild, that's different, but severe, not have that problem. They always have that problem. So, um, but going back to the food thing, you know, whatever you're ingesting, I'm able to say, this is how it's impacting your body. Um, and how it's impacting your mindset and how you feel yeah. and how you're going to feel later you know if you eat if you eat a bagel i don't know what you had for breakfast this morning but if you ate a bagel this morning your your mood will drop very fast compared to if you had two hard-boiled eggs right your mood is totally different based on just those two things and if people don't know that people love their bagel
1: that was the worst thing
0: bagels are i'm
1: italian and it's worse than you bread. Like bread yeah it's worse than bread yeah i i I'm more in the bagel more than the yeah, I'm more in the bread. Yeah. Yeah. And the pasta. Yeah. But, but when you become aware, when you start uh, understanding, when you start doing a diary of what you're taking in, when you are aware of what the pieces you're looking at and what it means from a calorie standpoint, you naturally start bargaining and you naturally start making decisions. But right. they're conscious decisions. And then you find ways that you can enjoy it, but still save the calories. And right. you find things that are good for you, right. that are less calories, that will allow you to eat. Right. You know, so you this is just natural. And then you get to the component. We talked about it, I think, last week. You get to a calorie deficit standpoint. Right. And then that's where you understand people think you exercise to lose weight, and you don't. You lose weight in the kitchen.
0: Right. You, Absolutely.
1: You use exercise for tone, for An mood. right. Yeah. But you can use it as part of this. You can use it as part of a diet because if you throw a 1,000 calories yeah. onto the treadmill, that expands, your, that expands your food choices. It expands your right you know your ability to eat and lose weight
0: right and 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 i do explain to people that you know it expands your it expands your calorie ability to have and at the same time you still have to make cuz the mentality that i have with a lot of my clients is when they think that they have a, a bank of a 1000 calories that they can eat a thousand calories. Well, a thousand calories is a thousand calories, but a thousand calories of pizza is a lot different than a thousand calories of chicken on a salad with avocado, right. which is still a thousand calories. But they're different. They burn different. They sit on your body different. Just like a, right. you know, five pounds of fat sits on you very differently than five pounds of muscle. Five pounds of fat is bigger than five pounds of muscle just because of the mass it takes up. Right. Just like a th- But people, it's so important that people know that a thousand calories doesn't mean, you know, you eat a thousand calories of anything. It's it's right. the food choice. It's making you find the food that fits that. That's going to keep you. Feeling happy or feeling good with an occasional bump in of, oh, I want that chocolate macadamia nut cookie or, you know, because, you know, manufacturers are so good at putting in 100 calorie pack. Well, 100 calorie pack of all fat is still fat (laughs) versus 100 calories of broccoli or 100 calories of an avocado or cucumber or, you know, it's, you know. It, it, yeah. it, it plays with that halt thing, you know, the hungry, angry, lonely, tired that people, oh, I'm tired, I'll, but I don't want to eat something bad. So I have a hundred calorie pack and people assume that it's, you know, it's going to give them a boost in their mood because it's a quick fix. Yep. And also it's only a hundred calories. Well, it's a hundred calories of not good stuff.
1: There's a couple dirty little secrets here. The two dirty little secrets are once you start doing this and you start cutting out those things that affect your mood, right? you become much less tolerant of them. Right. And they're less pleasurable. Right. You get back into them and you have one and go, "Oh, that didn't make me feel good." Right. You know, because it doesn't. And right. you're just more aware of it. It's not it's not a couple of raindrops in the storm anymore. It's just like, "Oh, wow, I had this I had a McFlurry cuz or right. I had a uh, you know, I had a Shamrock shake." Right. Cuz they're out Did you go, have one by the way? I haven't yet. Oh. They're out. One a year. I thought of you. One a year.
0: <laughs> one a year. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. But
1: the thing is every year and I know what's going to happen, I'm going to have it and I'm going, "Oh, that didn't sit good. well." Right, <laughs> you know that was oh that's just way too sweet.
0: Well, so so it's so I don't eat bread as a rule. Occasionally, I'll have a little teeny piece of something, but it's really rare. But like bagels, I loved bagels. Yeah, I can't tell you the last time I had a bagel, but as soon as I have a bagel, I'm in trouble because my body immediately reacts to it. And it's been doing that for years. And as soon as that happens, my mood changes. Yep. I immediately go into that, oh, I don't you feel, feel it. good. Yeah. I, then I start feeling like down. I don't want it because my body and people don't realize, and this kind of crosses over, that your body pain or feeling discomfort physically, then... in infects your mood. And then now you've got both going and uh and it takes forever for that to clear. So that now I'm like averse to yep. you know, I love I look at them and like, oh they're very nice and they smell really good, but I know I know
1: I'm not that gonna that's, feel good As after soon I as it.
0: I eat that, even yeah. a half a bagel, I'm gonna be in trouble both physically and emotionally.
1: And the other dirty little secret with weight loss is once you start to see effects, once you start to see success, mm-hmm. momentum grows and you get really into this. Yes. And it's not it's not uh, torture. It's not denial. It's that you know I'd rather have this outcome than that Oreo. Right. You know. Right. And you and, get and, to that stage, and getting really to quickly. that
0: is so. It's so. It takes a while, but as soon as that happens, it's like oh, you're finally there, and it, and it really gets yeah. there.
1: But it's the. It's easier at the beginning. That. Yes. Th- those first pounds you lose are the easier pounds, right?
0: Because you have because you have yeah. a bank of pounds to lose, and all of a sudden those last five pounds that you really yeah. want to lose are always harder. Which is why then you have to. That's when it's almost like you're starting fresh, not new, but fresh at now. You got to change the change the hypothalamus around again because you got to retrain it to go. Okay, now I'm used to all this. Right. So people will say, oh, I plateaued. I'm not losing any weight. Well, you've plateaued only because now you got to change the dynamic again. Yeah. And people don't realize that. They keep doing the same thing. They keep doing the same thing. Now it's well, now you got to just change it up so that your body is surprised and it says, "Oh, I've got a new movement here and so now I'm going to do this," you know.
1: The plateaus you hit is because the body gets used to what you're to what you're doing. And yeah. you have to change it up a little bit. Yes. Because you do tend to I did. I I got into a particular diet that was uh that I enjoyed, but was kind of it's chicken and turkey and you know, right, and, and those types of things and, right. you know and fruits and vegetables and that type of thing, right but and then your the body, body gets, gets used to, used to that. that, yeah,
0: and it doesn't have anything new to to move it along or like a you know a quick a quick jolt of energy that's extra that you're not used to, or or like a little thing of rice that you haven't had but now you do, and it just moves it a little bit as a metabolism booster, yeah. right? Going back to what you're saying though about you know before when you're saying you know when you were 50, that's you know your metabolism change, and you say that. that. I mean that's a that's such an important thing for people to realize to have awareness of their actual body and what's going on in it. Yeah. I mean we didn't touch on that at all yet, but um, really briefly is that um, your body changes you know, whether teenage years you're going through puberty, 20 all of a sudden you know depending on female male you're you're changing based on different things that are going on um 30 i mean if you haven't practiced good eating habits and good activity habits by the time you're 30 that's usually when the weight goes into the places that it shouldn't be going because you don't want it there but it does and then by 40 and 50 if you it's just the metabolism is dropping because you haven't been putting that into the space and all of that is such a um um a heavy no yeah. intended, a heavy burden on your mental state. You put a twenty
1: year old diet in your fifty year old body and right, this is what you get.
0: Right. Yeah. And and people, people or a
1: twenty-year-old lifestyle. 20, right. I don't want to say diet. I mean, right. That's a bad word.
0: Right. So and I don't call it diets ever, yeah. I call no. it lifestyle changes. You can't. And and it's you a lifestyle change. If, you, if you have a lifestyle where yeah. you are not active and you are um, I call it a help rejecting complainer. You want to lose weight, you ask for help so to speak, from all the things that you know how to do but you don't do anything about it and then complain that you're not losing weight, right? (laughs) And then you get to be at a point where, um, yeah, now it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm totally over the top on this. Now what do I do? You you have to really have a um, dedication to doing baby steps and small steps yep. at a time to get it together. Else, you're people are going to be in trouble for themselves. Emotionally, it just it's just such an emotional drain. It's it's a soul sucker. Weight weight on you know struggles for so many. I mean, fifty over fifty percent of American population this past year alone are on diets.
1: Yeah. Yeah, see, diets, I don't like diets. Diet's not sustainable. Right,
0: And, and, and it's not because it's, you have to, once the diet hits and you hit your weight, you still have to be able to maintain. So if you just make good lifestyle changes by going, you know, that's what clean means. Clean means going to non processed things. It, Taking out processed foods changes your chemicals and your mental state that changes your way your body feels. And then you're not as impulsive to eat stuff that you wouldn't normally Mm -hmm. eat. Like it all works together. If you eat clean, if you eat as clean as possible and you have activity, You're going to be on the right track. You don't have to go into, you know, Atkins, Keto, Weight Watchers. I mean, they're all great boosters, and they all have their great science to them. But in general, for people that don't want to invest in all that, it's all in front of a person. All they have to do is get rid of all the processed stuff in front of them, or by and large, 90% of it. If they don't want to get rid of that one package of cookies, they can still have it and be active. It changes your mood and your body. It changes everything. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just a lifestyle change. If your lifestyle is that you've been doing X, Y, and Z all your life, and and you're and you're heavy or you're teeny teeny teeny, which most people don't complain about. Yep. You know, um, but it's mostly the people that are on the larger scale of, of weight gain and obesity stuff. If you're always in that mode and you're and you have that lifestyle, that means if you have that, you can do a different lifestyle. It's just a matter of wanting and 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 putting it into place as small little increments.
1: Well, sometimes it's a matter of, to wrap it around to the beginning of the conversation, yeah. sometimes it's a matter of understanding how much control you have. Right. I was at a point in my life where I was overweight yep. and I had back issues. And I would just say, well, yeah, I'm in my 50s. This is what you get. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in my 50s. I was an athlete. I wrecked my back. You know, I'm overweight. This is the way it goes. And then I really hurt my back to the right. point where I had to go see somebody and went through work and got the work and got the rehab and my back felt great. Right, I'm going. Well, okay. It's not because I'm in my fifties. It's right. because I wasn't doing anything. Right, and then the weight just started from there. I did the weight thing from there. Well, maybe the weight's not because I'm fifty. Maybe the weight's because I'm not putting. I don't. I don't understand. I have control over it.
0: Right, and 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 that's and that's so much of what people in general feel, you know, yeah. and that, you know, and people don't equate and it's not because people aren't smart. People are smart, but they're just not, they don't have the knowledge or like going back to the beginning, they don't have the exposure field or the exposure rate to know that, you know, you're 50 years old and your knees are hurting you. Have you realized that you're about a hundred pounds overweight and it's putting a lot of pressure on your knees and People don't think about that. They yeah. just think I'm. They equate it to something that's easy and tangible. Oh, I'm older. No, it's actually not. It has nothing to do with your age.
1: But it's the difference between thinking it happened to you, right, or that you did it, right. And many people think weight loss, health issues, is something that happened it happened to them, to them right?
0: Yeah. No. It, it, when in
1: reality, they created a lot of.
0: Them. You know, when it comes to like the mental health issue around that, it's not something that happened. You know, so if trauma happens to someone. And then they have a weight issue because they have a bad relationship with food as a result. Yeah. We can understand that. Sure. Then from there, then it's what you do with it. It's that it's not happening to you now. It's But you're choosing to eat. You're choosing to you're take control of your life through this one thing because it's happened to you. And so therefore, you just keep giving and giving and giving in because it's like, well, there's no other choice. And people know intellectually, oh, of course, there's another choice. But they buy into their narrative that I can't change it. It's not. It,
1: um, I'm big bone. This is who uh, I am.
0: Well, so my answer to big bone is always, <laughs> Have you ever seen a skeleton with big bones? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean that's it's an old, you know, it's an old excuse. I'm, I'm not a big. When yeah. people say that, I'm very gracious to say, Well,
1: but they find a rationalization. Yeah, justify. You know that. Yeah. You
0: know, well, I can't, and I and is I can't, and yeah. and, I, and I can't. In psychology, is I. Don't want to try, so yeah, there is no. I'm afraid to try. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not going to try. I don't want to try, and people get upset when you say that because you know that you know. Of course, people want. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to be overweight. Nobody wants to be unhealthy. Nobody wants to be an addict. Nobody wants to be whatever right. it is, right? Uh, but, but, but. But
1: fight, the, fight the thought that it happened to you. Right. You know, right. addiction is another one. It happened to me. Right. And it did, and uh, but.
0: But at the end of the day, once, once you're in, in the knowledge base of yeah. what's going on, right, the symptom of the problem is, the, is, is being overweight or underweight. The symptom of the problem is addiction. Right. The symptom of the problem is gambling, the, right? But the problem is really looking at what you're not addressing underneath, yeah. like what's emotional underneath, you know, uh, nurture People get nurtured into not being active. People get nurtured into bad food choices. People get nur- so it's looking yeah. at where do I have, where does my symptoms sit? It sits in habits that are not good for me, and yeah. and people are by and large taught that you know they're modeled it from other people or somebody passes down that oh it's okay you can have that it's it's you know it's Tuesday yeah you know it's it's okay you, you're five it's okay you're ten it's okay you're fifteen you're young. Yeah, mm, but people now, don't want
1: to take on these battles. And, right. And from a weight loss standpoint, um, understanding some basics. Right. 2,000 calories for men, 1500, 1,500 for women.
0: To to be able to drop.
1: Actually, I'm working on 1,800, but yeah, 2,000. But
0: um, yeah, 2,000 under for men usually yeah. to, in the general sense. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then uh, be aware of what you're taking in. Yeah. And that's going to give you a certain awareness. It's like, well, I'm only supposed to be having 2,000 calories if I'm a guy and I'm doing 3,500. That's why it's not working. Right. Because you
0: have to remember how much makes a pound, right?
1: Yep. Well, see, that was the basics for me. Thirty-five hundred calories is a pound, right? And my big thing was, well, if I work a five hundred calorie deficit a day, I lose a pound a week. Fine. (laughs) And and not thinking in terms of I got to lose forty pounds. It's like I got to lose a pound. Right. And I got to lose a pound next week, or you know, just the next goal.
0: Yeah, you're not thinking big and 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 right. overall, and that and that's and that's such an important piece. And and certainly, we can get ready to end on that is not thinking as as you know. Set the yourself wh- up whole to thing. win. Yeah, do little pieces at a time so you have an accomplishment daily. Like, I walked today. I walked. Not about I lost a pound. Don't get on the scale. You know, if you're trying to lose 50 pounds, you don't need to get on the scale this week. It's just, did I walk today? Yeah. Did I get, did I, you know, did I eat a vegetable today when I didn't normally? I had oatmeal Um,
1: instead of a bagel.
0: Right. You know, track your changes, make changes, you know. Um, However, and I do this with clients don't eat a potato today and say, I didn't eat one tomorrow and have pasta. <laughs> That's, that is not the change we are looking for, yeah. right? It's, I had a potato today. But so having
1: they're... that accountability of that right. tracker, the cal- when you're actually putting the calories in and right. it gives you where you are for the day, right. that accountability is important.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And it's not daunting because, again, we're not saying don't eat pasta or don't no. eat a potato or don't, eat it, don't even have a bagel. Right. But and just... just It can't be every day.
0: It's got to be balance. In order to live your best life of of mental health and and physicality together, you have to have balance or else they are going to lack of activity and poor food choices make bad bedfellows. There's a point
1: where you're excited. You get on the scale. You lost three pounds, four pounds, five pounds. You get excited, and then you look at that bagel and go, No. I want right. that feeling of losing the did, next right. two or three pounds. Right. Yeah.
0: So a few years ago, really quickly. A few years ago, I dropped probably 15, 20 pounds training for the Boston Marathon, and and, and intentionally. And, yeah. What?
1: Intentionally. Yes. Okay. I did. Um. Yeah, yeah. I did it on yeah. purpose
0: because I had I had run and I was having some injuries and whatever, and I'm like I'm just pulling too much. I could. I knew. I yep. mean I I knew. Save your joints. But man, I I will never go back to putting that back on, and it certainly you know have trickled down a little bit more and a little bit more, because once I got that first 15 off, man, it, you, you you think of, like, you pick up a bag of potatoes, and I was like, yeah, that's that whole bag. Of, I was carrying the extra weight, and once you can tangibly go, oh... I'm like, I'm not doing that. So I remind yeah. myself, I always have, in the house, there's always like a bag of little potatoes or something that's like 5, 10 pounds. I'm always like, yeah. that was sitting on me. That's why I was so slow and or it's, whatever.
1: It's worth it from a health standpoint. It's worth it from an activity standpoint. Right. It's, it's worth it from a mood standpoint. Yeah, it
0: makes you happy Losing
1: weight is worth it.
0: Oh, so worth it. Absolutely. So, hey, Lou, so we're time on the clock says we are out of time today. Um, Certainly, uh, we will rejoin this topic, I'm sure, in the future. (laughs) And um, thank you so much, and I will see you next week.